so six weeks ago, I began this sermon series by saying how important and how hard prayer is. We know it's a special way that we commune with God. We, we know prayer is and is supposed to be powerful and, and transformative. And, and oftentimes, we, we find ourselves in a rut uh, where it feels awkward, maybe even insincere. Maybe we don't know what to pray, or when we do, it's like we stumble over the same words over and over again in this jumbled stream of consciousness, fighting distraction, fighting daydreaming, or flat falling asleep in the middle. Yeah, y'all know. <laughs> it happens. And so what once was, was a life-giving and an intimate uh, experience with God starts to feel stale or, or maybe it even starts to feel forced. What a gift, friends. What a gift, then, that Jesus actually teaches us how to pray. The Son who prays to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit shows his disciples and us how to do it. How to pray. He gives us words and a model for speaking and listening to God and for orienting ourselves in God's world. Maybe this prayer that Jesus shows us and teaches us doesn't change the content of our prayers as much as it changes the order, the structure, the priorities of our prayers and indeed our lives. And so each week we've unpacked these dense and, and beautiful phrases like they're word suitcases of meaning. Naming our relationship with God by confessing God's identity and our own identity. Proclaiming God's holiness. Asking for, for, for what God wants to happen to happen in our hearts and in our communities. Trusting in God to give us what God knows that we need. Admitting our need to both receive and extend mercy. And I hope throughout all this, like, You've grown in your relationship with God maybe a little bit. You've come to see the connection between what you pray and how you live your life. And that your own prayers maybe have become even more meaningful and profound. And so today, for the last sermon in this series, we finish with one more phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Will you pray with me? God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning, there are two, uh, both from the Gospel of Matthew. The first will be very familiar at this point. Uh, we've had it every Sunday for this series from chapter 6. Uh, and then from um, the end of Matthew's gospel as well. Listen now for God's word. Jesus says, When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. 
bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. Now jumping to the end of Matthew's Gospel, the 26th chapter, beginning with the 36th verse. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to the disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. When he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, he began to feel sad and anxious. Then he said to them, I'm very sad. It's as if I'm dying. Stay here and keep alert with me. Then he went a short distance farther and fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not what I want, but you want. He came back to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Couldn't you stay alert one hour with me? Stay alert and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. The spirit is eager, but the flesh is weak. The second time he went away and prayed, My father, if it's not possible that this cup be taken away unless I drink it, then let it be what you want. Again he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy with sleep. But he left them and again went and prayed the same words for the third time. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This final petition, when we hear it, maybe, for the, maybe initially, when we first hear it, it's a bit confusing. It's a bit confusing, to say the least, maybe even troubling. Wait, is God in the habit of tempting us? Does God cause us to stumble? Is God engaged in some kind of weird cosmic uh, spiritual entrapment, entrapment game? Those of you with siblings, those of you who are parents or grandparents of siblings, know what this is like. One sibling tells another sibling to say or do something that they know will get that sibling in trouble, and then they end up doing it, much to the delight of the tempter, while getting the other one into trouble. Are we asking God, in effect, to not be like that? To not do that to us? But then, deep inside somewhere, we think, wait, 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 wait a second. God, God is perfectly good and holy and, and loving. God can't be tempted with evil, nor does God tempt us with evil. That's what it says in James, right? That would go against God's very nature. God doesn't desire to see us stumble and fall. That's, that's what temptation is after. But God desires to see us grow in holiness and in love, and experience full, abundant life. So what in the world is Jesus saying? What are we praying for? When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're asking God for the strength that comes from the grace of God to overcome that which seeks to thwart God's advancing kingdom. We're asking for the strength that comes from God's grace to overcome that which seeks to thwart God's advancing kingdom. Now remember in the prayer, right, we, we've already expressed a longing to see God's kingdom come in its fullness. A, God's, a desire to see God's will be done. 
the advance of God's dream, of God's reign, God's rule, God's kingdom, has always been met by opposition. Whether the serpent in the garden, Pharaoh, Israel itself, King Herod at the time of Jesus' birth, the Jewish leaders, the demons that Jesus casts out, the Ro Rome, Satan, there have always been forces seeking to thwart God's good intentions and creation. And we're not immune to them either. Of course, it all comes, ahead, all comes to a head on, on the cross when the world's evil did its worst to Jesus and was ultimately robbed of its ultimate power through his death and resurrection when Jesus rose again. But, but the victory is still ongoing. We know that. God's kingdom is here, and yet it's not here in all of its fullness. There is evil in the world. We, we experience temptation. We go through trials of every, every kind. And if we're a part, if we're Jesus' followers, if we're a part of God's advancing kingdom movement, then we can expect that. We can expect that. We don't need to seek it out. <laughs> it finds us no problem. If you're advancing God's kingdom here on earth, you are going to face difficulty. You're going to face trials. You are going to experience temptation. Scripture doesn't promise no trials, but it does promise God's unbroken, unweary care and love no matter what happens. That's why it's helpful for us to actually look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels to help us understand what Jesus is asking us to pray for, what this looks like. Like, if this was a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, uh, that he didn't just pray but actually lived out, if you look at his ministry, he lived out each and every line of this prayer, then the question is, where do we see Jesus living out, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil? And two stories come to mind, one at either end of his ministry, the beginning and the end. After Jesus was baptized... And just had this incredible, identity-affirming, mission-empowering moment. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. And he confronts three different temptations, right? Turn stones into bread, jump off the temple, let the angels save you, and bow down and worship the devil, get all the kingdoms of the world. And with each and every one, he finds the strength, summons the strength to resist to overcome, and he, re he responds by tapping into the power of God's word and, and his identity as God's beloved son. Jesus overcomes that which is seeking to thwart his mission of establishing God's kingdom. And so what the devil, evil, forces of darkness intended to try to get Jesus to fall and turn from God's will, God leveraged as a test, it's different than tempt, God leveraged as a test to solidify the faithfulness of God's beloved son, Jesus, our Savior, who was, friends, fully human, lest we forget. Interestingly, the same Greek word can and does mean both, tempt and, both temptation and test. But they're different. What evil hoped would be a moment of downfall became a training exercise in faithfulness for Jesus, beginning the process of Jesus undoing the power of sin and evil in the world. For Jesus, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, was lived out right there and then. Right from the start. 
but he also lived it out on his absolute hardest day. Remember, on his very last night, Jesus is hanging out with his friends, the disciples, in the Garden of Gethsemane. They've walked over there after sharing the Last Supper together. He's praying, and he is in, in complete anguish. This is it. It's going to happen. The, the cross is going to happen. And he faces his, possibly his greatest temptation yet, going through with it or not. My soul is overwhelmed within me to the point of death, Jesus says. And then he falls with his face to the ground and prays, Father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, God, can't this please happen another way? And Jesus prays this two more times for a total of three times. He's struggling with this. It's a very real struggle for him. Remember, he's fully human tempted and tried in every way just like we are and once again instead of this being a temptation to which he succumbs it becomes a test of faithfulness that he passes so according to Jesus's own life this phrase of the prayer looks like having the power that comes from God to overcome the forces seeking to thwart God's advancing kingdom and in the process in the process, temptation can be leveraged by God as an exercise to grow our faithfulness and character. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Friends, certainly we are not Christ, but we have access because of Christ to freedom and power that God gives us through grace to be able to stand up to the same things that Jesus stood up to. That's what we're asking to tap into when we pray this prayer, when we pray this phrase. God's grace is big. God's grace is big. Sometimes we make it small. Not in the sense of, of making it exclusive, although we do a pretty good job of that sometimes too, but in the sense of, of limiting its function, making it too one-dimensional. God's grace does so much more than simply pardon us. God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is empowering. The same grace poured over us and in us in our baptism that claims us as God's beloved children also empowers us to be able to resist temptation and to know and to choose and to do the good and the right and the loving. It gives us the ability to do what we would not be able to do on our own and in our own strength. I, I was reminded of this on, on Thursday when the rain was pouring down all, all day. My boys and I were eating lunch, and we just started talking uh, about the rain and what the rain told us about God. And so uh, I asked them, can you think of any stories in the Bible where there's, where there's water? Uh, because there are a lot of them. So we talked about all the a lot of the stories, the ones we could think of in the Bible that had water in them. And we talked about how water is what we use when someone is, is baptized. And uh, how when it rains, like maybe we can be reminded of our baptism and how much God loves us. But also, you know, being this week in the middle of writing a sermon about resisting temptation and being delivered from evil, I was also reminded of something else. In baptism... We're reminded not just of our belovedness, but also of the power of grace in which we now stand. 
the power of grace in which we now stand. One of the historic baptismal vows goes like this. Hear this, friends. When, when someone is baptized, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? The freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And we say, I do. Praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is like plugging ourselves into that powerful grace that we received in our baptism that enables us to endure, to be faithful in the face of what we face. We're asking for, we're asking for help from the same source of power that actually did something about evil. God, I can't face this alone, but I know you're with me and will give me the strength. Because we need a power greater than ourselves to overcome a power greater than ourselves. No one knows this more uh, clearly than groups like AA. Like, it's kind of one of the basics, right? It's literally the first three steps of the 12-step program. We admit we're powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. We come to believe in a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. We make a decision to turn our lives over to the care of God. I'm sure I've shared this before probably, but uh, one of the most moving moments of my day when I happen to be in my office at around 1 p.m. and the door is open. One of the most powerful moments happens then. Um, there's an AA meeting that meets below uh, my office in, in, the, in the basement. And when my door is open, I can hear a chorus of voices saying together in unison the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when I heard that line this week, I realized for the first time how powerful and how important and how encouraging it must be for them to pray that line every single time they meet. And it's a chance to, to charge back up that ability to resist and withstand something that otherwise might overcome and overwhelm and rob of the life and God's good purposes. Friends, the same must be true with us. When Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it's an opportunity not just to, to recognize the reality of evil, but the reality of God's victory over it and our access to that victory. As N.T. Wright says, we inhale the victory of the cross and are thereby able to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. The power of God's grace in moments of weakness, vulnerability, fatigue. So, I, I don't know. 
what you're, you're up against as we gather for worship today. Maybe you feel like you're in the middle of a hurricane. Maybe you feel like you are being attacked. Maybe the, the attack is coming from out there. Maybe the attack is right from in here. Maybe you're trying to fight as hard as you can, fight off the voices in your head that are not God's. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of addiction. Maybe you're overwhelmed by, by what you see going on in the world. Maybe you're suffering or, or feel like you are going through some kind of trial. Friends, whatever the case, I, I hope you hear the power of a prayer this morning. A prayer asking for God's grace, for the power of God's grace to be able to face, to withstand, and ultimately overcome anything that seeks to derail God's good intentions for your life and for God's world. Because the greatest temptation, the greatest temptation might be to believe that evil has the last word doesn't. It doesn't. Friends, God's goal is not to see us stumble, fall, suffer, but to make us more holy and perfect in love. So may you, may you breathe in the, the power of Jesus' victory over sin and evil and find the strength that comes from God's grace to make the right decision, to, to take a small step, to hold on to a, a, another day to persevere in God's advancing kingdom, and to emerge victorious. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.